0: chapter 16 of the house on the borderland this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Alan winterout the house on the borderland by william hope hodgson chapter 16 the awakening i awoke with a start for a moment i wondered where i was then memory came to me the room was still lit with that strange light half sun half moon light I felt refreshed, and the tired, weary ache had left me. I went slowly across to the window and looked out. Overhead, the river of flame drove up and down, north and south, in a dancing semicircle of fire. As a mighty sleigh in the loom of time it seemed, in a sudden fancy of mine, to be beating home the picks of the years. For so vastly had the passage of time been accelerated, that there was no longer any sense of the sun passing from east to west. The only apparent movement was the north and south beat of the sun stream that had become so swift now as to be better described as a quiver. As I peered out, there came to me a sudden, inconsequent memory of that last journey among the outer worlds. I remembered the sudden vision that had come to me, as I neared the solar system, of the fast whirling planets about the sun, as though the governing quality of time had been held in abeyance and the machine of a universe allowed to run down an eternity in a few moments or hours. The memory passed, along with a, but partially comprehended, suggestion that I had been permitted a glimpse into further time-spaces. I stared out again, seemingly at the quake of the sunstream. The speed seemed to increase even as I looked. Several lifetimes came and went as I watched. Suddenly it struck me, with a sort of grotesque seriousness, that i was still alive i thought of pepper and wondered how it was that i had not followed his fate he had reached the time of his dying and had passed probably through sheer length of years and here i was alive hundreds of thousands of centuries after my rightful period of years for a time i mused absently yesterday i stopped suddenly yesterday there was no yesterday the yesterday of which i spoke had been swallowed up in the abyss of years, ages gone. I grew dazed with much thinking. Presently I turned from the window and glanced round the room. It seemed so different, strangely, utterly different. Then I knew what it was that made it appear so strange. It was bare. There was not a piece of furniture in that room, not even a solitary fitting of any sort. Gradually my amazement went as I remembered that this was but the inevitable end of the process of decay which I had witnessed commencing before my sleep. Thousands of years, millions of years. Over the floor was spread a deep layer of dust that reached half-way up to the window-seat. It had grown immeasurably while I slept, and represented the dust of untold ages. Undoubtedly atoms of the old decayed furniture helped to swell its bulk, and somewhere among it all molded the long-ago dead pepper. All at once, it occurred to me that I had no recollection of wading knee-deep through all that dust after I awoke. True, an incredible age of years had passed since I approached the window, but that was evidently as nothing compared with the countless spaces of time that, I conceived, had vanished whilst I was sleeping. I remembered now that I had fallen asleep sitting in my old chair. Had it gone? I glanced toward where it had stood. Of course, there was no chair to be seen. I could not satisfy myself whether it had disappeared after my waking or before. If it had moldered under me, surely I should have been waked by the collapse. Then I remembered that the thick dust which covered the floor would have been sufficient to soften my fall, so that it was quite possible I had slept upon the dust for a million years or more. As these thoughts wandered through my brain, I glanced again casually to where the chair had stood, THEN, FOR THE FIRST TIME, I NOTICED THAT THERE WERE NO MARKS IN THE DUST OF MY FOOTPRINTS BETWEEN IT AND THE WINDOW. BUT THEN AGES OF YEARS HAD PASSED SINCE I HAD AWAKENED, TENS OF THOUSANDS OF YEARS. MY LOOK RESTED THOUGHTFULLY AGAIN UPON THE PLACE WHERE ONCE HAD STOOD MY CHAIR. SUDDENLY I PASSED FROM ABSTRACTION TO INTENTNESS, FOR THERE, IN ITS STANDING PLACE, I MADE OUT A LONG UNDULATION, ROUNDED OFF WITH THE HEAVY DUST yet it was not so much hidden but that i could tell what had caused it i knew and shivered at the knowledge that it was a human body ages dead lying there beneath the place where i had slept it was lying on its right side its back turned toward me i could make out and trace each curve and outline softened and molded as it were in the black dust in a vague sort of way i tried to account for its presence there Slowly I began to grow bewildered, as the thought came to me that it lay just about where I must have fallen when the chair collapsed. Gradually an idea began to form itself within my brain, a thought that shook my spirit. It seemed hideous and insupportable, yet it grew upon me steadily until it became a conviction. The body under that coating, that shroud of dust, was neither more nor less than my own dead shell. I did not attempt to prove it i knew it now and wondered i had not known it all along i was a bodiless thing a while i stood trying to adjust my thoughts to this new problem in time how many thousands of years i know not i attained to some degree of quietude sufficient to enable me to pay attention to what was transpiring around me now i saw that the elongated mound had sunk collapsed level with the rest of the spreading dust and fresh atoms, impalpable, had settled above that mixture of grave powder which the aeons had ground. A long while I stood, turned from the window. Gradually I grew more collected, while the world slipped across the centuries into the future. Presently I began a survey of the room. Now I saw that time was beginning its destructive work, even on this strange old building. That it had stood through all the years was, it seemed to me, proof that it was something different from any other house. I do not think somehow that I had thought of its decaying, though why I could not have said. It was not until I had meditated upon the matter for some considerable time that I fully realized that the extraordinary space of time through which it had stood was sufficient to have utterly pulverized the very stones of which it was built, had they been taken from any earthly quarry. Yes, it was undoubtedly moldering now, All the plaster had gone from the walls, even as the woodwork of the room had gone many ages before. While I stood in contemplation, a piece of glass from one of the small diamond-shaped panes dropped, with a dull tap, amid the dust upon the sill behind me, and crumbled into a little heap of powder. As I turned from contemplating it, I saw light between a couple of the stones that formed the outer wall. Evidently the mortar was falling away. After a while, I turned once more to the window and peered out. I discovered now that the speed of time had become enormous. The lateral quiver of the sunstream had grown so swift as to cause the dancing semicircle of flame to merge into and disappear in a sheet of fire that covered half the southern sky from east to west from the sky. I glanced down to the gardens; they were just a blur of palish, dirty green. I had a feeling that they stood higher than in the old days, a feeling that they were nearer my window, as though they had risen bodily. Yet they were still a long way below me, for the rock over the mouth of the pit on which this house stands arches up to a great height. It was later that I noticed a change in the constant color of the gardens. The pale, dirty green was growing ever paler towards white. At last, after a great space, they became grayish-white, and stayed thus for a very long time. Finally, however, the grayness began to fade, even as had the green into a dead white. And this remained constant and unchanging. And by this I knew that, at last, snow lay upon all the northern world. And so, by millions of years, time winged onward through eternity, to the end, the end of which in the old earth days I had thought remotely and in hazily speculative fashion, and now it was approaching in a manner of which none had ever dreamed. I recollect that, about this time I began to have a lively though morbid curiosity as to what would happen when the end came, but I seemed strangely without imaginings. All this while the steady process of decay was continuing. The last few remaining pieces of glass had long ago vanished, and every now and then a soft thud and a little cloud of rising dust would tell of some fragment of fallen mortar or stone i looked up again to the fiery sheet that quaked in the heavens above me and far down into the southern sky as i looked the impression was borne in upon me that it had lost some of its first brilliancy that it was duller deeper hued i glanced down once more to the blurred white of the worldscape Sometimes my look returned to the burning sheet of dulling flame that was, and yet hid, the sun. At times I glanced behind me into the growing dusk of the great silent room with its aeon carpet of sleeping dust. So I watched through the fleeting ages, lost in soul-wearing thoughts and wonderings, and possessed with a new weariness. End of chapter 16 Recording by Alan Winteroud Boom Coach dot blogspot dot com